You're listening to MTL Bike Thief, Episode 7, a pod play about rebellion and bike theft during Montreal's summer of protests. Be warned, it's full of swearing, violence, and terrible jokes. Remember, it's meant to be taken in the spirit of good humor, even if you don't think it's very funny. Chapter 26, Shitty Shitty Bang Bang. Run! Just run away! With her back resting against the door of the provost's office, Sarah could almost see a clear path to freedom down the stairwell. Every fiber of her being told her to run. Okay. The ticking shit bomb downstairs. The psychopath or sociopath or something path in the next room holding her friend hostage. The general air of fear that could very easily fill her shorts with shit from an overactive fight or flight reflex. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. But deep down, she knew she couldn't run away this time. I came to tell you the fuzz are here. The fuzz? If Plant was here, then maybe she could use that to her advantage. Uh, she reached for her phone, only just then remembering she broke it on the conspirator's face. Plan B. Okay, okay, okay. You got this. You got this. She raised herself up, quickly putting together a plan. She would burst through the door and get Plant's attention. Somehow. After all, who'd murder someone in front of a cop? Right? Sarah pushed through the door, heading straight for the window. Oh, honey. Of course, she didn't make it more than five feet before Dom clotheslined her, sending her flipping back first to the ground. What is she doing here? What are you doing here? What are they both doing here? I don't know. In that moment, she really didn't. What did I say about your one chance, Miss Sarah? That I get two of them? Dom smirked, shifting his gun from Sam to Sarah. Ally struggled, gagged though he was, and Sarah found that sweet. At least someone cared enough to raise a stink, she thought even if she was about to die. Uh, where are we? It was about then that the tubby conspirator lifted his head and had a peek around the room. Oh, good. You're up. Wait! Are we still in the admin building? Why didn't you tell them? Big bang bang! What? What? Guys, I I accidentally set the timer. What? what? Yeah, uh, the short one. So we got maybe four minutes left, give or take a minute. What followed was seven and a half seconds of awkward, anxious stares from each of them. Finally, Will and the fat conspirator rushed for the door, but Dom had other plans. Are you crazy? Promise me this ends after McGill. Look, look, I know the timing got all fucked up, but we have the other- This wasn't how things were supposed to turn out, Will. So I'm improvising. Fuck the strike zones, fuck the students, fuck the movement. You think blowing up a few bridges is gonna change anything? All it means is that tomorrow people start commuting by boat instead. This is insane. Worse than that, it's stupid. And honestly, I'm tired of dragging your idealistic little ass out of the fire. I mean, maybe we could have this conversation in private. You're just another schoolboy too stupid to know when to call it quits. So allow me to help you. This ends here. And from this point forward, you pay for the privilege of keeping this a secret. Or? Or we all die. Here. Tonight. Okay. Uh, I really, I, I really think we should, we should, uh, we should talk, talk about this. The only way you're leaving here is if you give me your word, William. And if I, uh, if I, uh... In answer, Dom cocked the hammer of his gun. And Will, ever the optimist, paused for thought. Before making a run for it. A 357 Magnum launching 9mm rounds is not as impressive as one might think. Rarely do any body parts explode, and rarely does the exit wound impress you with its size or extraordinary gore. But despite the lack of theatricality, 
Will was dead before he hit the floor, with a hole clean through his heart. Dom then turned the gun on the other red square. Hey man, I'm fucking done, okay? It's your show, whatever you want. This pleased Dom. It was his show, he was in charge. Will, all right. Now all I need is you four bitches. Sarah did not like being called a bitch. In a petty moment of retribution, and from her vantage on the ground, Sarah kicked Dom square in the coin purse. She hadn't expected much of a reaction. After all, he was large, and she was still a little drunk. What followed confused everyone. As Dom vibrated, spasmed, and yawned his way to the ground, his body went limp, save for the strange priapism leaving everyone in the room in awe. Sarah especially found this uncomfortably gratifying. The conspirator, however, bolted from the room. Sarah then wasted no time in untying Alain and Judith, but was momentarily distracted by the drive! She was surprised but happy to see the USB drive with Godwin's research plugged into a laptop beside Alain. Without another word, she pocketed the drive, removing the server, and thus preventing more shit bombs. Oh, thank God. Oh, oh right. Sarah returned to untying them as Sam made her way to Dom to investigate, removing the cause of his mysterious spasm the stun gun safely tucked beside his coin purse. Shit. As Dom rolled back to life, holding Sam by the throat, Sarah froze. Sam, now holding the stun gun mid-buzz to Dom's stomach, motioned for Sarah to come help. Dom, slowly regaining his faculties, seemed to only then remember his very real gun only three and a half feet in front of him on the ground. Sarah dove, and so did Dom. She got the grip, he got the barrel. No one thought to grab the trigger. Sam jumped on top, tasing Dom in the neck as Sarah slowly lost control of the revolver. Inch by inch, Dom turned the gun around on her, placing the barrel squarely between Sarah's temples as she wriggled back and forth to avoid it. Sam continued her electric assault, which Dom managed to ignore until... The gun went off and then dropped to the floor. A thin streak of blood ran down Sarah's face as Dom watched in dumb, electronumbed shock. Finally, he and Sarah collapsed, with only the latter getting back up. Sarah raised a hand to her scalp. The bullet had only grazed her. Uh, okay, okay, I'm okay. The situation had been diffused. Honey, shit bomb. The literal bomb had not. Right. She and Sam quickly untied the provost, but Alain was handcuffed to his chair. How long do we have? A minute. Give or take a minute. When the provost was free... Ugh. What the fuck is wrong with everyone? This is a school for Christ's sakes! She ran out into the hallway, leaving Sam, Alain, and Sarah alone with the now mostly unconscious Dom. But Alain's restraints were proving troublesome. Sarah. Yeah? In case... You know... In case this goes to shit. Let's talk more hustle. Yeah? I love you. A lot. And I'm sorry I ever got you into this. Uh-huh. That's it? That's all you have to say? You killed two guys and dragged me into a Red Square conspiracy to take over the city. It's a lot to process. Fair enough. Ah, fuck it. Sam had grown anxious and grabbed the steel folding chair beside them. Sarah hadn't the foggiest idea what this could mean. We're taking the express. But her heart sank into her stomach as Sam approached the window. Sarah was starting to piece it together. Shit, man! Chapter 27. Pride cometh before the four-story fall. Detective Plot was in no mood for games. His biggest lead, the paperwork tying Sarah's bike to Godwin's, had gone up in smoke. And his prime, albeit improbable suspect, was leaving a trail of carnage everywhere she went. 
When he pulled up to the admin building with a uniformed officer in tow, he was hoping to find Sarah passed out on the steps. Instead, he found nothing. He tried her phone. Sarah Berners-Lee, ITTSG. No luck. He would give her 10 minutes before he called to issue the warrant. And so, they waited. Minutes stretched into further minutes. Finally... Was that a gunshot? Or a door closing oddly? While they pondered the source of the mystery shot, they were once again greeted by... Okay, now this time I feel like uh, it is that. All right, call it in. I'll go have a look. Plot carefully withdrew his service revolver and skulked up to the front door of the building. He was surprised to find it open at such a late hour, though not nearly as surprised as he was to hear. Plant looked up to find the fourth floor window shattered by a desk chair. The next moment, a young man tied to a different chair was thrown from said window. Is that, uh, one of your suspects? Uh-huh. Then came Sarah. And that's your other suspect? Uh-huh. Followed by Sam. Ah! Uh, is that the bartender from Rick's? Why the fuck not? Sarah, Sam, and L.A., meanwhile, were nursing their various bruises and broken bones as Plant calmly walked up to them, waiting for an explanation. Evening, Detective. Uh, evening, Miss Lee? Thanks for coming to get us. Yeah. So, uh, I'll just ask, what the hell's going on? See, I thought the building was going to explode. All four were blown back by an earth-shattering boom as the nearly hundred-year-old building was leveled by processed shit. When the dust settled, Plant found himself miraculously alive, if a little broken up from the experience. Only after the first responders did their thing and each of them were taken to the emergency, did Plant start putting it all together. Maybe... Maybe she was telling the truth. And so, a few hours later, Plant sat down beside Sarah's hospital bed, along with an absolutely flabbergasted Mr. Macaulay. We searched the remaining strike zones and found the same explosives hidden in each one. So, is it bad form to say, I told you so? Yes. yes. But, it looks like you were telling the truth. And we won't be pressing any charges at this time. Hot damn! On one condition. Ah, uh, yes. Sorry. Explain to me again how you became involved with this Dom and Godwin, and what that has to do with the Red Squares taking control of the island. Plant could see she was thinking. Before long, she explained to him about Godwin's megalomania, and then Dom's village mafia, and even Will's idealistic student bullshit. But what she chose to leave out was the part where Alain unwittingly helped them build their master plan and then murdered two people. Though something didn't sit right with her story, Plant had grown tired of chasing up her leads. And since this seemed to wrap up almost impossibly cleanly, and anyone else who could contradict her was dead or missing, he decided to let sleeping dogs lie. After all, he was about to plan his early retirement, mandated by a sudden on-the-job injury sustained when a hundred-year-old brownstone exploded beside him. Florida and Speedos and Rum were waiting. Everything else? <laughs> who the fuck cares? Chapter 28, Happy Endings Cost Extra. As Sarah drifted back into the realm of the conscious, she wondered if maybe she'd managed to pass out on the couch again. Whatever she was sleeping on was unfamiliar. Maybe the bed of a one-night stand, or the back bench of a bar, or the pile of coats at a party? 
And then she remembered falling and talking to police and generally feeling like her bike smelt. She finally opened her eyes and remembered she was in the hospital. Good afternoon, Sarah. I'm glad to see something as trivial as a hospitalization hasn't impeded your sleep. The voice she knew. The tone she knew even better. Her father was a rakish older man with a vaguely Carriulesish mid-Atlantic accent, a remnant of a bygone era that, oddly enough, neither of them was a party to. Have you lost weight? You must just sweat the pounds off down there. What with all the fire and brimstone. And how's Cerberus? Cerberus was the nickname for her stepmom, Nora. Though Nick cared little for how little Sarah cared for her stepmom, he'd learned to long ago let it go. Welcome home. Hardly. Los Angeles is, frankly, the superior to Montreal in every way that counts. But enough about me. What's new with my baby girl? Well, Daddy, I was co-opted into a Red Square Rebellion through the use of bikes and QR technology in order to make Montreal its own island state within the world. Ah, oh, classic Sarah. Glad you finally came by to see me. Well, assault, murder, and conspiracy are one thing, but when my baby girl jumps from the fourth story of a brownstone in downtown Montreal, a father should be able to recognize a cry for help. Thanks, Dad. Also, I came to collect the money I posted for your bail. Seems half a million dollars doesn't as easily transfer from the coffers of the Quebec government as it does into. Right. Now, Mr. McCauley has filled me in on the particulars of your legal limbo, but I had a few questions on my own. Okay. This Alan fellow. Seems he may have a few sticky thumbprints in strange places, like the back of this Godwin's helplessly antiquated Dell PC. Oh. And the Sam's formerly Sam, seems to have more than her fair share of ties to the Mafia. What interesting person doesn't? Fair enough. I suppose the question I wanted to ask could be boiled down to this. Is it in your best interest that neither of these two people see the inside of a prison cell, let alone an actual court? Oh. Well, I, I was thinking about moving in with Alain. I see. Though, I'm not sure now. I don't see. I think the wrong things for the right reason, that should count for something, right? And once again, I can see that. Also, Sam makes a hell of a mojito. Does she? Well, that's that then. And with that, or this, Sarah wasn't sure, Nick called in a few favors and greased a few palms and levied a few bribes, but in the end, all leftover suspicion around Alain and Sam was dropped. The official story was the one Sarah told Plant, and the one that Plant went along with. Within a fortnight, she was released from hospital and back to her old life. And though she'd saved Alain from an arguably justifiable punishment, she wasn't sure she wanted to do the same thing to their relationship. Sarah sipped her mojito from a hollowed-out coconut in Rick's cafe, and felt a certain familiar sadness take hold. What responsibility did she now hold in the deaths of five or six or seven people caught up in this conspiracy? What would this mean to her life with L.A.? How much mint did Sam put in this mojito? Was it the mint that gave it the kick, or was it something she else? Mint. She was losing the track of her train of thought, or her train had been derailed, or... Honestly, at this point, she wasn't even sure if she wanted to stay in town. She figured if there was truly something she was meant to do, the universe would give her a sign. Hey, Sarah. Oh. Alain. What are you doing here? I thought... Well, we haven't really spoken since we were released from hospital, and I thought maybe we could chat. Right. Then maybe I could take you back to my place and handcuff you to a chair. Wow. 
Sarah was a little taken aback by this joke, even if the thought of getting tied up wasn't altogether that unappealing. Could she really take him back? Sarah, all joking aside, I love you. I wanted you to hear me say that when I wasn't about to die so you could know I'm being honest. Uh-huh. So... You want a drink? Oh. Wow, man. I just... I would love a drink. After everything they'd been through, she could give him one drink. Not a relationship, but a drink. If she was being honest with herself, she wasn't ready to say goodbye either. What harm could possibly come from one drink? Right? Thank you for listening to MTO Bike Thief and the wonderful cast that includes Adrienne Richards, Eric Davis, Matthew Keyes, Corey Tomimic, Don Ford, Jonathan Dubsky, Jesse Sherman, Wyatt Bowen, Alex Gravenstein, Todd Fennell, and Simon Peacock. Narrated by Daniel Kay, engineering by Michael Fitch at Studio 2MO. Original score by Michael Fitch. Additional tracks, including Funkorama, C-Funk, Protofunk, Funk Game, Loop, Back Vibes, As I Figure, Bass Walker, Fast Talking, Controlled, Chaos, One-Eyed, Maestro, Pop Goes, The Weasel, Anxiety, Prelude in Action, Too Cool, Cold Funk, Back on Track, Cool Rock, Just Nasty, Dub Eastern, Anguish, DD Groove, Longing and Concern, all provided by Kevin McLeod. Acoustic Blues, Ice Cold, Namaste, provided by Audiotronics, and Direct Video, provided by Chris Zabriskie. All of these, I should mention, are provided under a Creative Commons license, so thank you. This was the final episode, so congratulations, you listened to the whole story. You are now part of an exclusive club that includes myself, the engineer who recorded it, and my mother. Your award is in the mail. 